Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. And, boy, since we joined you last, it has been a big news week for the Blue Jackets. First of all, the Blue Jackets are going to participate in the 2025 Navy Federal Credit Union Stadium Series. There will be a game on March the 1st, and it's going to be at Ohio Stadium. The Blue Jackets will take on the Detroit Red Wings. We're going to talk a lot about that coming up. In tonight's show, Steve Mayer from the NHL, who organizes all of these events, is going to join us. We will talk with him in just a bit. Also, Jarmo Kekalainen was let go as the general manager of the Blue Jackets. That happened last Thursday, right before the Blue Jackets left to come on this trip to California that they will wrap up tonight against the Anaheim Ducks. And John Davidson is now the acting general manager for the Blue Jackets. And I mentioned the California trip. The Blue Jackets won in San Jose on Saturday, lost last night, disappointing 4-1 to loss in Los Angeles to the Kings. Tonight, they take on the Anaheim Ducks to wrap it up, and we'll have that game for you right here on the fan in less than three hours. So, Jody, let's go back to the Yarmo Kekalainen firing by the Blue Jackets. This is something you can't say you didn't see the possibility of it coming. I, I just wondered about the, the timing of it. John Davidson said he just felt the timing was right. There was a long all-star break. They didn't do it then. They let him come out of the break, but it seemed like that loss to Ottawa last Tuesday just uh, something happened between there and Thursday where everybody felt this is the right time. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's uh, you know, a, a one-off. I think it builds. I think that there's, you know, uh, the Blue Jackets organization is disappointed in this season, of course, and, and you look at some of the things that have happened and you kind of felt like things got tense here. And then the way the team came, came out of the gate, you know, as it builds, you kind of feel like something has got to give here. And... Pascal Vincent is brought in uh, at the last minute as the head coach, and and you know that's you feel like that's not going to happen. So someone had to take responsibility, and in this case, it's it's Yarmo who came here a decade ago, uh, first time general manager, and really did a great job of stocking uh, the prospects. And we talk about the young players, and you know this is an organization now that is at a, a great point. It's just that it needed, I guess, a new voice and a new direction, and, and that's why the organization, in my opinion, made that move. The timing of it, I mean, when is the right time? You could say before the break, but what does that do? It's still, you know, you get a time away, but uh, it's it's you still have the people that have been vo- involved with Yarmo carrying uh, a lot of what their the day-to-day operations, what they always do. John Davidson is around now on this trip. I know he had uh, some health back issues or health issues that he had to take care of. So he was away for a bit, but watching from afar. So he's now got his hands, uh, it seems like, more involved here. And we'll see what happens. But, you know, this this organization needs to take a step, and everyone knows that. And in this case, it, it's Yarmo is, is out and who's next. And that's the talk now. And we'll see how this goes. But it's uh, this organization is, is ready to go on that championship run, I think. They've said they're going to look to the outside. Um, and John Davidson basically in saying that said, we know the internal candidates that we have. We know the people that are here. We want to look outside and see what we might uh, be able to find there. So it's going to be a long search, it seems, one that more than likely will continue beyond the end of the regular season. But more importantly, or as importantly, 
the trade deadline is coming up on March the 8th, and now John Davidson is kind of the point man for that, although he did say in the press conference that he held the day that Yarmo was let go that he had great notes and everybody was up to date on what he had been doing when it comes to the trade deadline. How active do you think this team could be at the deadline? I really wonder. You know, there there should be some changes, I would think, but in the situation they're in, you wonder how much they're, they're really going to do. Do you just stand pat? I mean, there are contracts, expiring contracts, that you've got to really look at. Jack Roslovic is one of those players. Uh, you know, it, it hasn't been a great season for a lot of players. A lot of players have underachieved, and you, you really have to wonder why. You know, two coaches in two years, I guess three years, with Larson, who has been there for the Blue Jackets for a couple seasons, uh, guys that are familiar with the players, when you ask the coaches, the scouts, and the and the hockey operations, they should have a really good feel of, of what this team needs to move on on right now. And I would expect some moves. I don't know when you hear names like Boone Jenner, I chuckle because it's a, you know, that's a big move. That's an organizational shift when you trade a player like that, who's the definition of playing with a Blue Jackets jersey on. And so those moves, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect, but I would expect some of the players, some business moves to be made. When you talk about something like Boone Jenner, that would seem to be whoever the next guy is and assessing what he has and what he needs if you're going to make a big move. So what you're saying is don't look for a blockbuster by the deadline. You might see some small things. I mean, that's how I would – that's just my opinion. I mean, I wouldn't say a team without a general manager goes ahead and starts shifting big moves unless it's something that – improves the organization and is a part of a plan. That's really what I feel like uh, this next step is to have a very organized plan for whoever comes in to say, this is what we're doing, this is how it's going to work, and this is what we hope to achieve. And I think that right now when, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty in the, in the front office of, of hockey management, how can you expect them to sit there and make big moves when you know there's someone else coming in. Now, in talking about big moves and the way the team is put together, let's look at the two games on this trip. Playing against San Jose, a team that's near the bottom of the standings in the league. The Blue Jackets, bat- they both teams played very hard. The Sharks, they, they came to play, but the Blue Jackets were able to win it in the last few seconds, and with 13 seconds left, they win the game 4-3. to three. You come in here last night, you take on a Los Angeles Kings team, big, hungry, they started off the year great. They went through a terrible January, fired their coach. They have a wild card spot they're trying to hold on to right now. But they are the quintessential playoff-type team, especially in the West. Yeah, I mean, that's a team that I look at and think, you know, their goaltending, Talbot, he surprised a lot of people at the start of the season, and that helped their push of winning 11 straight. Um, those are good moments throughout the season, but I think the struggles are even more important. Unfortunately, their head coach lost their lost his job. And I, I had Todd McClellan when we were the best team in the National Hockey League. And I swear he would have appreciated a struggle during the season because we were winning games with either the goaltending was standing on his head or the power play won it or Joe Thornton dialed it up. There was just something there. Whereas in playoff hockey, it's more of a chess match in a seven-game series. And when you go through the struggles and you come on, come out on the other side of it, that's where you feel like, okay, now we learn from that losing part of the season. And they lost a lot of games where they were up by a couple goals. They lost some one-goal game, a lot of one-goal games. And when you look at that, it, it's an important part of their season. So now it seems like they've got their footing. They're 5-1 and one since they've uh, 
Hiller has taken over. The assistant coach is now the interim coach. Yeah, they are. They, Drew Doughty plays that physical, physical style. He's a unique combination of size, physicality, and offensive ability. Kopitar is still regarded. Now with Bergeron out, it was always Bergeron Kopitar. He's, he is the leader and one of the top pivot guys in the National Hockey League. And I don't know if we called his name much last night on, on our broadcast or yours on the radio, but he does little things within the system that it's almost like having a third coach, almost like Reg Dunlop Bob, from back in our <laughs> back in our slap shot days. But you know, it, it has that element of two Stanley Cups, so it has a championship pedigree. Uh, they know what they are with the size, speed that they've added. They've at in their top six. They've got Fiala. I know Arvidsson left early last night. Uh, he's a key player up there too. And then you know they got a guy like Deneau. So they're built very well. It's just their goaltending is not that Jonathan Quick. Um, champion right now, and he looks really good in New York. But you know, is Talbot good enough? And and they're a team. You're right. When you think of the West, you think of the way the LA Kings play. Very structured, very physical, and they can hurt you. That Byfield goal last night, and you're not going to see a, a goal. You're not going to see a goal like that in a long time. And I haven't seen one like, like that in a long time. That was a, a young 21 year old with size skill and and that fire and fight to get make sure that puck was in the net no question about that since you brought up slap shot by the way uh paul damato yeah. died this week yeah, I saw that. he played tim dr hook mccracken so uh rest in peace paul damato one of the great um sub characters yes in that movie in the uh in the final of the championship game he was good with that stick he was very good with that stick tonight's game winnable game against the anaheim ducks another team that's down near the bottom of the standings once again uh, they will play hard. There's no doubt about it. But for the Blue Jackets, they want to come back home having taken two of three. More importantly, you want to see more guys have an impact on the game. You know, I think uh, you've seen the Johnny Goodrow, Boone Jenner, Jack Rossovic line really change momentum when they're out there. Last night they went to the fourth line a few times just to – they gave them offensive zone starts with Olivia on the wing with Corrali uh, out there and, and you know, it, it, and Texier. And it's important for all four lines to find their jam. When you play on the road, it's a, it's a much simpler game. And you look at L.A., they, they have a great road record. It's because you, you're in there playing spoiler and you're not putting on a show. You're just sticking with your system. And I don't know what it is, but it just seems like when you're on the road, it's just, you know, you're together. Uh, you you just play the team game to, to perfection. And I haven't seen that on this trip. That San Jose game was very scrambly. Uh, they got the win. They found a way to win. Okay. No, and I thought they started last night's game in L.A. Very structured. Both teams were very structured. Uh, a key indicator for me is when the Blue Jackets get out of their zone with one or two crisp, clean passes. You know, the pass to the wing, the pass to the middle, the D is activated. They find those those passing lanes. Then they get in the offensive zone. Uh, you didn't see that from enough lines. So, yeah, the win is one thing. But how they play together, I think that's going to be the most important part of this finish to this regular season. I look at Cleveland. You know, they they have four, four lines that are equal. They play the same way every shift. There's really a buy-in to how they're playing. And there's still holes with some of the young players in battles, understanding the importance of winnable battles. You look at the power play last night. There's a, there's a two-on-two battle in the corner. They send their third guy in. So you're thinking, okay, if those two guys win that battle, there's three open guys out in front of, like, that have an opportunity to get to the net. Those moments within games, good teams find and make sure that those are executed properly. 
And I th- just think right now, a lot of times the Blue Jackets are coming out on the wrong side of some of these battles at important times. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about what the biggest hockey event to ever take place in Columbus, Ohio. It's going to happen in March when the NHL Stadium Series comes to town. Steve Mayer, he is an NHL Executive Vice President. He's the creator of content. He's going to join us as the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. I'm Bob McKellie, joined by Jody Shelley, and right now we're very happy to be joined by NHL Chief Content Officer and Executive Vice President Steve Mayer. He is the guy that is in charge of all these big NHL events that go on all over the world, quite frankly, and he is the one that will be heading up the stadium series and the game that will take place between the Blue Jackets and the Detroit Red Wings next March at Ohio Stadium. And, Steve, before we talk about that, you just finished up a stadium series in New York, and, man, what a a great event that was. You went two games this time. First, you had the Flyers take on the Devils, and then you had the Rangers take on the Islanders, and it it looked like it was fantastic just watching it from out here in California on television. How big was that series? Uh, That's now a very distant memory. What are you kidding? (laughs) We want to talk Columbus. No, no, no. It, it was great. Uh, you know, we, we decided uniquely to do two games in two days. A lot of people said, what are you kidding? Um, but it, it worked out great. Uh, you know, we had over 150,000 fans. Uh, and, and you know, everything just lined up really well. Games were terrific. Uh, you know, we, we were really happy with the way things went. Uh Admittedly, it was it was unique, and we were nervous at times. But you know, uh, brought in the Jonas Brothers, so we had a pregame concert. You know, leaned into playing in MetLife Stadium, the Jets, the Giants, the NFL aspect of it all. You know, just a lot of other things going on. But you know, very well received in the New York area, uh, and you know, we were very happy. But we've got a great team that. You know, we're proud to put on these games and that game. And, and honestly, uh, that's now, you know, in the rearview mirror, and it's time to look ahead to Columbus. All right, let's talk about the game in Columbus. How many years have you been hounded by people, and they could be from <laughs> anywhere. They could be from the Blue Jackets front office. They can be from fans, whatever. How many years were you asked, when is a game coming to Ohio Stadium? It's been a long time. Uh, you know, and, and, and rightly so. Listen, what a great stadium. Uh, obviously, Columbus has never played in an outdoor game. So for all the reasons in the world, you have two pieces there that make all the sense in the world. And, you know, it wasn't a company line when we when we had to say, you know, we had a problem. We couldn't go to the stadium where winterization, which means the pipes freeze during the winter because they're just not active. And in many stadiums, there's heat that runs through the piping system to, to keep the water flowing. And, you know, when you have 100,000 people who can't use the bathroom, that's a problem when you're trying to put on a big event. And, and so that was an issue that we, we consistently had. The ability to move into March, the ability to improve the stadium, which, which the folks at Ohio State have done, uh, you know, all these things started to line up and we became very hopeful that we'd be able to pull this off and we just kept talking. 
you know, we knew how much everybody, the, the Blue Jacket organization, Ohio State, everybody, City of Columbus, they, they all wanted us to do this. No one ever gave up on it, which, which I love. I love when people don't take no for an answer. And we just kept at it, and now we're here. I'm really excited that we finally got to the place where we were able to announce it officially. Steven, it amazes me how well you guys pull off events. You know, people don't always get to go and enjoy them, but being there, it's such a special thing when the NHL lands in your city. I remember the draft in 2015 in Columbus, the impact that had on our city and, and how proud we were to have the National Hockey League there. For you now coming back to Columbus and your team coming there, it's completely different than what you just experienced in New York, and I'm sure there'll be different challenges, but what what's it mean to you to be able to go to places that haven't had these events before and, and really put the places on showcase and be a part of the fans and the community? You know, we've been doing that lately. We've been going to places, and, and yes, we just came from New York where they've had a few outdoor games. But when we went to Nashville and we went to Dallas, Went to Carolina. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, you know, we love putting these games on. The fun part begins now. For us, the sort of creation of what's it going to be and how are we going to get the fans in a particular market to go, wow. And so, you know, it's so cool when you go into these various cities and we're the talk of the town and, all the fans embrace it. And then, you know, when you get to the stadium and, and in this case, a hundred thousand people to watch hockey. And that's, that's incredible. And, you know, so it's up to us to give them the experience of experiences. You know, there's some big events that have happened in that stadium. And, you know, we've got to be up to that. We've got to make sure that what we're going to do in that stadium is a takeaway for a lifetime for every sports fan, every hockey fan, every football fan. And so that's the challenge. We think we can do it. We've done it before, uh, but it is cool. I mean, it's great when like you're in these markets and it's the first time ever. And, and, you know, to hear the reaction is always part of the reason why we love doing what we do. And I, you know, I think we've got a lot to work with in Columbus. That's for sure. So how does it work with your team? I know you have a great team there that obviously understands every nuance of every stadium, but how does it work with the local, the people of Columbus and the people of the Blue Jackets? How much of them will you use with your team? Are they Will they be a part of all the meetings? And and how does that work exactly? Yeah, we don't talk to them at all. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, listen, we all have to work together. You know, it, it, it's, it's great. You know, hockey's about you know, they assist as much as the goal and, and you need everybody sort of marching from the same drum and, and, and the beat and everybody's got to be on the same page. And, and listen, we lean into, you know, all the local knowledge, you know, what, what do the Columbus blue jackets fans want? What do they want to see from, from the field design to the music that we play to, to how we present the game to, you know, to, you know, how we put it on inside the arena, but also on television as well. So we have constant meetings. We make numerous trips. We'll probably be in Columbus, you know, seven to ten times as a full group. And you mentioned the team. I mean, we've got the best of the business. Um, you know, we had 300 credentialed workers 
just working on the game. And there's every aspect of it that, you know, everybody's got to do their part in order to make these events spectacular, whether you do the LED screens on the field or you do the content for the ribbon boards or the audio in the stadium or the ice. I mean, everybody's got a, a role and, you know, we do have a team that consistently goes from event to event. We've been together for many years now. And, you know, we just try to make the next one bigger and better than the last one. And that's always been our goal. And, you know, we're off and running already. We're, we're thinking about it. Um, you know, I think we started to think about it just based on who we picked for the, for the game. Uh, you know, it's Detroit versus Columbus. It's Ohio versus Michigan. You know, and, and right off of that, we, we start thematically to, you know, think of ideas and think about how we're going to present things. But we're really going to lean in to the experts. And those are the people that are in Columbus who get it and who understand what the fan in Columbus, you know, responds to and likes. It's such an awesome thing. And the players and the teams lean into it, the way they arrive. I mean, what they know they're a <laughs> part of. It, it just makes it uh, – it's just great to see everyone all in, isn't it? Yeah, I, that, that's a, a a piece of this that has evolved and has you know has now become you know a part of it. Yeah, and uh, and that's something we don't have anything to do with. We 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 will set up where they arrive from and how they move into the stadium, but we really let the teams have at it and come up with what they want to do creatively, and you know, and they're totally into it and. And I, and I bet you, you know, that's one of the, the main subjects right at the beginning of next year for the Blue Jackets. Like, that, the team, like, gets together, and it's usually the players. And I love that. It shows creativity. It shows personality. And it just shows how much these games mean to the players, too. I, you know, just talking to the four teams and the players and the guy, like, they all, like, look at these games now as being really important pieces of their schedule and of their career. Like, they love playing these outdoor games. It's a cool experience, not only for them, but their families. And, you know, we love the fact that they're into it from a creative standpoint as well. We're talking with Steve Mayer, NHL Chief Content Officer and Executive Vice President. We're talking about the Stadium Series, which is coming to Ohio Stadium, and that's going to be on March 1st, 2025. It also gives me the opportunity to remind you the ticket plans for the 2024-25 season are on sale right now. You can choose the games and the seats that you want. Plus, season ticket holders are guaranteed priority pre-sale ticket access for the 2025 Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series. Learn more by going to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. We'll be back and continue our conversation with Steve as the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank continues here on 97.1 The Fan. We're talking to NHL Chief Content Officer and Executive Vice President Steve Mayer here on the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. So, Steve, you told us the teams get to decide how they arrive at the stadium. Here's another question that fans have already asked. What about the jerseys? Is that totally the NHL? Is that involvement with the teams, the type of jersey you'll wear for that game? Yeah, that's a combination effort as well. Uh, we have designers that, you know, work with the team and really lean in with the team as to what those designs, you know, end up being. I will say that's another, like, now very highly anticipated 
release and launch. Everybody awaits to find out what's that jersey going to look like. And again, um, having been a part of a couple of discussions already, that process is underway. Uh, and again, I think that's becoming one of those cool pieces that makes these games unique. Like what's it going to look like and when we're going to find out. And, you know, and that's what I love. Like these games have taken on a life of their own. I hear all the time, like, Oh, are they doing too many games? You know, the outdoor games, but I'll tell you in the market, it's, it's everything. And you guys alluded to it earlier. It's so cool. Like, you know, Everybody talks about it, and, and because we haven't done a game in Columbus or with Columbus, wow. Like, I think this is going to be an outstanding experience for us and for you guys. It's just, it's, just, it's just big time, you know, and it feels like already people are talking about it, and we're, we're over a year away. So, you know, we're ready, uh, you know, and, and it's those little moments throughout the calendar year that just sort of get, you know build the anticipation, build the excitement, and then we'll get there. And suddenly, you know, before we all know it, we'll be together in that stadium. I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you mentioned the timing, and you know the the winter time and the pipes thing. And this game is going to be in <laughs> March. But was it important to have this game when the students are actually in session at Ohio State? Because obviously, that's a ton more people that's going to be right there. Yeah, I I will tell both of you that uh, there was that was a very strong consideration. Uh, you know, let's face it, a hundred thousand tickets—that's a lot of tickets to sell. And you know, I think we would have probably been screamed and yelled at by the student body of Ohio State if suddenly we scheduled this game when they weren't there. You know, like they're going to want to be there as much as anybody you know that lives in Columbus. So. Yeah, we, we definitely needed to make sure that school was in session. And we're going to do some things with the students and with the band. Like, we'll lean into Ohio State big time on this one. Uh, and so they'll have a huge presence, you know, not only there in the stands, but I would think on the field as well with some of the entertainment aspects of what we'll do. Steve, everyone, you have to learn. I mean, it's amazing how you put on these events, and, and everyone seems to get a little bit better. And what's a takeaway from this last one in New York that you think that uh, really maybe surprised you or impressed you? Well, first of all, I, I, listen, it was, uh, it was a really amazing atmosphere. And there's so many factors, you know, that make these these work. Um, you know, weather was pretty spectacular, you know, I, people might say, oh, it was a little cold. It better be cold. Like, like this is an outdoor game. I had fine. Uh, I think we, you know, the games themselves were outstanding. Uh, we did a pregame concert. We'd never done that before. 50,000 people an hour before the game were in the building for a one-hour concert with the Jonas Brothers, which was unique. It was different. It was something we'd never done before, and it worked. So, you know, having, you know, major entertainment both days, that's what we're used to. But, you know, it was really top-notch. We did some things, you know, with the way the field looked and played NHL street. We had an NHL street rink, which is our street hockey, ball hockey program. 
rather than having auxiliary ice rinks, we, we did street hockey and that seemed to be really popular and go over well, you know, and then on, on other fronts, things that are just nuancy, but like led screens instead of graphics, that's something we haven't done before that worked out really well. Little things that I, I sort of, you know, as a event creative production person, you know, leaned into, you know, just things that were made it easier for us to sort of change from day to day. And they, they worked and yeah. And just to watch people smiling and having a good time and enjoying themselves and tailgating tailgating was crazy at a football stadium. I'm sure it's going to be the same way at Ohio state, but that was great. It really did, you know, work out pretty well. And you know, again, a lot of happy people, including here at the league office, but a lot of happy fans. And that's most important. Like when you start, you know, what we do, everybody's got a comment, good or bad, that's fine. But most of the comments that we got, in fact, you know, a great majority of them were really positive, and that's a good feeling. Yeah, and we, you know, we got to watch it on TV, and it really felt like you guys brought us in there and uh, see the the talent uh, interact with the Jonas Brothers, the football players, kind of gave us a sense from afar of, of what the spectacle was there. And since that was, I felt like that was another big step. I know you've done it in the past, but it really seemed elevated this season. Yeah. And again, as we look forward, you know, that, that sort of Ohio state history, well, we, we haven't shied away from that recently. We used to be, you know, you gotta be hockey, hockey, hockey. And I think we've realized that, you know, we want to bring sports fans into this. We want to bring, fans of a band like we need as many eyeballs as possible because we think we got a pretty good sport we got a pretty good we got a pretty good product and we want more and more people to see it and we're not you know going to hide the fact that you know our audience can grow there's room to grow so these outdoor games give us the ability because i think when you're you're flipping around and you're on television you're looking for what's on it catches your eye and then if you catches your eye and then there's all these other aspects to it, you might really lean in and stay a while and then watch a great hockey game, which both of the games we had over the weekend, they were. So, you know, hopefully it just, you know, we use these outdoor games as a, another opportunity for growth. And that's what we're all about. Just want to get more and more people to watch our great game and more and more people to come along to maybe watch another game later in the week later in the month and, you know in the end of the day I think it just helps us all the way around and you know that's where we continue to sort of lean into these games and try to make them bigger and better you know Steve it's almost like the Taylor Swift effect in the NFL I hear what you're saying there's the, the eyeballs that are on on football now because of that it's pretty incredible yeah yeah and you know and, and no one hides from that you can't you know you've got to, you've got to lean into it. Uh, you know, those opportunities don't come along that often. And you, you just want somebody who's maybe never watched a hockey game to, to watch us because of some other reason. I'm not embarrassed about that. Like, no, that's fine. If you're going to come to watch us because you're a fan of the Jonas brothers and then maybe you go, wow, Hockey is cool. Yeah. I, I'll give you a perfect example. Saquon Barkley, running back, New York Giants, told us 
never been to a hockey game. He was going to leave after the opening of our game yesterday or Sunday, and he stayed because he thought it was so cool, and he stayed the whole game. And he loved it. And he said, I want to go to more games. Saquon Barkley is a perfect example of just a general fan. We just want to get them to watch our game because we know if they watch it, they're going to love it and they're going to stick around and then they might want to go to another game. So that was the perfect example of what we're trying to do. And that was actually with a professional athlete who's a superstar who happened to be invited to come and participate in the game and said, yeah. All right, Steve, one last question for you. And I know it's a long way away, but March 1st is the date of that game. How early does your crew start to come in and set up that rink? And, and when will the people in Columbus really start to feel it building up? How many days before the actual game? Yeah, so we're in two weeks before, uh, maybe a little over two weeks, probably on that Friday, you know, and I'm backing up the dates, but around the 13th or 14th, right around Valentine's Day. And then we're there the whole time. Uh, it goes up pretty fast. You know, we build a couple of days in there for, for weather in case we have, a, you know, rain or a snow. We had some snow even in New Jersey, and we lost a day with an eight-inch snowstorm one day. But, you know, we, we, we're ready for those days. And then, we you know, we're off and running. But we'll be in, you know, as early as next month. We're going to come in for a day, a bunch of people. And, you know, it's a lot of planning that goes on, as you can imagine. Uh, but, yeah, the whole team really gets to town about two weeks out. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting process. You know, I invite you guys to come as many times as you want. I, I think it's, you know, it's part of the story as we build the rink and the environment. But, you know, this will be an interesting place. It's, a, it's a, you know, again, quite exciting for us. You know, I'm not going to say it yet, but as you imagine, you know, we had a lot of people in some other place that uh, that you guys might know. Another big football and, building, uh, you're saying? Yeah, another <laughs> giant football building. And I would think the rivalry will continue all the way until game time as we try to break an attendance record for all-time NHL outdoor games. I got you. The message is actually yeah. loud and clear. For those that yeah, think it's muddled, just talk to somebody that gets it. <laughs> the challenge is on. The challenge is on. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. We know you just went through a really busy stretch there and with those games in New York. So thank you very much, and we hope that we get to see you in one of your trips here to Columbus over the course of the next couple of months. I would like that, and thanks, guys, and looking forward to to being in Columbus and spending a lot of time. I uh, you know, if you know of any apartments that might be available, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll spend enough time there that I might be lucky. I'm going to get one and sublet it now. Just to you. Okay, sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, you Steve. Go easy on me. Go All right. Me. All right. Yeah. That, that is Steve Mayer, NHL Chief Content Officer and Executive Vice President. Back to wrap up the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. And as you just heard in our last segment, hockey is coming to the horseshoe. The Blue Jackets will host the 2025 Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series against the Detroit Red Wings on March 1st, 2025 at Ohio Stadium. You can sign up for guaranteed priority ticket access info 
at bluejackets.com slash outdoor. Jody, it was great talking with Steve Mayer. You know what I like the most about that guy? He's doing these events really all over the world. He's doing the stadium series. He's doing the global series. He's doing all this stuff. And I have never heard him be not excited about any of those. I mean, he just oozes excitement for every one of these events. You could tell how excited he is about the one coming to Columbus. Yeah, and I, I love his whole approach and growing the game. And you hear about, you know, moments like this growing the game, going to Australia, going to Finland, taking the Blue Jackets and the Avalanche there last year. Uh, we got to see firsthand the impact of the NHL in another country that loves hockey but also loves their star athletes. And this is totally different. This is uh, the biggest home game the Blue Jackets will ever have. And it, it's I've been in the Ohio Stadium. We all have watching the Buckeyes play. And the feeling in that building, the atmosphere, the energy, I remember sitting there as a, as a pro athlete, almost feel like I was watching something out of a dream where, you know, it, it's such an intimidating thing. You admire the players that are down there grinding on the field, uh, how much it means to the, the Buckeye fans, and, and now to have it a hockey game in that stadium. Uh, it just makes the most sense. I know we've been waiting a long time, but the timing seems perfect. The 25th year the Blue Jackets have been in the National Hockey League. It'll be nice to have that that as well. So there's so many great things about this, Bob. I, I go back to the draft all the time and think about the impact that had on showing off our community. And I really think it happened in Nashville when they had that long playoff run. It really when it, That was when Nashville popped. And I think, you know, Carolina had their outdoor game last year, which everyone was kind of wondering how that was going to work. Well, they stuck to what they were. And I think that the NHL does a really good job at that. So for us in Columbus, we know what we are. And people that don't ever get to go there, they're going to get to come in and see that it it's one of its great moments for hockey. So it's been a long time coming. And, and you're right, Steve, is he's passionate. But the way they fine-tune these events and the way they pull it off to – to really have the flavor of the community and, and the rivalry this game is going to have, uh, it's going to be just tremendous. Yeah, it absolutely will be. And as when I talked to John Davidson about this before the game in San Jose on Saturday, it, you know, we talked about the fact this is not a game. Yes, it will be the biggest attended game the Blue Jackets will ever play. However, it's not just a game. This is an event. This is a life experience. And that's why so many people are going to come to this game. And that's what Steve was talking about. Come for the life experience and maybe find out you love hockey. And I'll tell you from a player's point of view, because I was involved in one in, in Philly. It was the Rangers and the Flyers uh, back in 2000 and I want to say 12, but I could be wrong there. And, you know, it, it the buildup, the tickets, the families coming in, um, the practice day the day before, getting on the ice with your kids, uh, they make it such a all-encompassing event. The, the lo- being in the locker room and finding your stall. We were in a baseball stadium, Citizens Bank Park in in Philadelphia. It was completely different. You know, it was um, it it was just an it was incredibly unique feeling because, of course, the locker rooms are way bigger, but you have all this gear they give you. All this winter, we were the Winter Classics. So we had all this gear, the photos. Uh, the time to take pictures as a team, as an organization, as a staff. Uh, I don't think there was an – yeah, there was an alumni game. It was just the whole thing, the whole weekend was oh, – I don't want to say exhausting, but it was a big event. Just like any big event in your life, it was like you're building up to that event. It's still – it's good. It's still when the puck is dropped, it's a hockey game. But before and after, there's so many things going on for the players, and I know for the community, 
Uh, I remember the when the draft was in, in Columbus, the fan zone was set up at the convention center. The way they had every event and everything thought of, and, and that was now, what, seven years ago or more, eight years ago. Uh, so those are the things that was more than that, 10 years ago now. And, and so well, those, well, the draft was, what, the draft was 2007. The All-Star game was 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the All-Star game I keep thinking about. And those are the things that, you know, you think about. So it, it's... Uh, it's one thing to be, have the excitement for it, but when it actually starts building up and the things are going to happen around it, it'll be uh, so much fun for the area. Well, you mentioned the word alumni. Are you going to get to have an alumni game or have yeah, you talked about it yet? Try, I'm already pushing for it, Bob. <laughs> Think about, I mean, I've already had phone calls. Jeff Sanderson's called me, actually. He wants to come back. Put me on that list. So I said, we'll see, Sandy. <laughs> uh, it, it is going to be incredible, and it will be uh, the story of next season. Uh, as you said, it, from the time training camp opens, it's going to be a long, long, long lead up to March 1st to that game. But uh, this week also in the NHL, speaking of big events, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins pulled one off, mm-hmm. and your former teammate in Philadelphia, Yarmir Yager, had his number retired. It, it just seemed like the right thing to do. It's hanging up there now alongside of Mario Lemieux. You know Yager very well. Um, you know, I, I've just watched him as a fan when I was much younger and then, you know, watched him play. It was great to call games when he was playing in the league. But um, he just seemed so poised and so mature and so in control of that uh, entire day on Sunday when the Penguins took on the Kings. That was a long time coming, and that was something that was very well thought out. I think it meant so much to Yarmir. Uh, you know, there, he's up there next to 66, right where it belongs, Uh you know, he's a very – I got to play with him, and he's a very interesting guy because he's, he's, he's got so much depth. He understands hockey so much. I think he's still playing hockey. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's not – He took a couple of days off to go yeah. in his number He retired. owns the team he yeah. plays for, which is a nice advantage. But, you know, to see him take warm-up with the players, to see him practice with the players, to see the fans embrace him. Um, you know, he came back from the KHL – he ended up in Philly with me, but there was talks earlier that he might have gone to Pittsburgh, and that changed. And I don't know if that soured things a little bit with that relationship, but it's great to see those things at the end get passed through and the right thing be done. And, and I just thought that just watching the videos and his appreciation for being back in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh appreciating him and the interaction with the players, it was a tremendous event. I even saw um, – Earlier yesterday, it was a pregame skate because the Islanders were in town. He was talking with Lou Lamorello. I think he played. He was there with Lou in New Jersey, probably. And you know, though he's he's such a thoughtful and appreciative person. And I know early in his career, I mean, he, he was so young when he got to the National Hockey League. Couldn't speak English. Was in Pittsburgh with the great like Mario Lemieux. And you know, it, it just he had a tremendous career. You look at some of the NHL all-time stats leaders, and he's right up there. So. Um, good for him, and it's nice to see that happen in, in such a wonderful – Pittsburgh's a great city, and there's so much pride, and they love Yarmir Jagger, and I think he loved it and it meant more to him to be back there and hanging in the rafters. When he first came in, he was notorious for being a great hockey player and a guy that had a lot of speeding tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That's how it was. Um, the Blue Jackets, once we get through this game tonight against the uh, Anaheim Ducks – Go back home. The Blue Jackets are going to see the Rangers two times in, what, the next three games. The Rangers sitting atop the Metropolitan Division, playing very well right now. This schedule gets busy for the Blue Jackets. It gets difficult as well. 
Yeah, it's that time of year where you see the matchups, and and you know Pittsburgh's going to be on there. Are they going to be chop? Are they going to be closing in on a race? I mean, that's later in the season. And then for the Rangers, they've tailed off a little bit. Shesterkin kind of hit a wall. They had some, you know, Truba was out for a couple games. They're trying to find depth. They're going to try to make moves at the deadline uh, to improve their their depth in there. And and this is a team that are they going to go all in? And yeah, that's part of it right now, Bob. These tough games, you know that. That's the way it's going to work for the for the rest of the schedule, and it makes it exciting because, you know, when you're out of the playoffs, you have a young team, you're below expectations, uh, you want to be a team that sees exactly what you have in, in meaningful games, and they'll be meaningful in the sense that the Rangers are desperate for the two points. So I think that's where Pascal Vincent and this organization is really going to look closely at what they have. I think they know a lot of what they have, but there'll be different situations as the season closes out, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how this, what is it, 30 games left, just under 30 games, is going to play out for the team. Yeah, actually, the next four games, you've got Buffalo at home on Friday. Then, as I mentioned, the Rangers, that's a home-and-home, but it's Sunday in Columbus and not in New York until Wednesday. Then you've got Carolina. That's the last game. That's a back-to-back with the Rangers, and that's how you round out February. So that, just what you said, Yeah, (laughs) there it is right there. It's easy to see. It's easy to see, and and that's why you know the California trip is is one of those important trips. And uh, the end of the season, you know, people talk about garbage time. The games didn't mean anything, but I I understand there's not the pressure, but I think the pressure brings the most out of you. I mean, that's when the juice is going. That's where you see players elevate in those desperate times. So for this team now, uh, yeah, it's not a playoff push, but it's a push with an organization that now doesn't have a general manager. Uh, that you know, a lot of those play, every player there is has been brought in by the former GM Yarmo Kekalainen. So now it's time to show what you got. Like, are you part of the of the process and this the solutions moving forward, or is there a different uh, philosophy at the top? So I think as a player that that eats at you a little bit. That's definitely in play. All right, Jody, I'll let you run down the hall here so you can get ready for this game that is coming up in just about what ninety minutes or, or so from now, whatever it is. Um, because I can't do math at this point in time. <laughs> We're getting done at a ten o'clock game, about two hours, but ninety minutes before pregame oh, starts. So, thank you very much, uh, and we'll get together. Well, hold on a second. I'm going to tell you this: we won't get together next week because of that game against the Rangers. So, it'll be uh, two weeks from now. We'll do this again. Yep. Sounds All right, good, Bob. Thanks. All right. So, uh, thanks to Steve Mayer who came on and joined us from the NHL. Thanks to Jody Shelley. I'm Bob McElligot saying stay tuned right here to 97.1 The Fan because we're just going away for 90 minutes and then we'll be back with a pregame show at 9.30 tonight. The Blue Jackets taking on the Anaheim Ducks and the puck will drop at 10 o'clock. So don't go anywhere. Or if you do, just do it for 90 minutes and then be right back here. But thanks for listening to the Inside Edge. It's been presented by First Merchants Bank on 97.1 The Fan.